I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We're glad to see you today. I'm going to have you, if you would, find a Bible, smartphone, tablet, whatever you might, might need, but uh, find Exodus chapter 19. We're going to be again reading verse 9 here in just a moment. Read verses 9 through 20. might want to keep your Bibles open. And uh, we appreciate uh, our praise band today. Would you applaud how the Lord has used them today? And we appreciate uh, Amanda leading, and uh, she was in the early service as well, so I got to hear her twice, so that was wonderful. Living, breathing people, we love to see you live and in person. We're glad that, uh, you know, it's only been so many weeks that uh, we've been doing this, and good to see a lot of our students back, and some for the very first time, and uh, we welcome you. We're glad you're here, and we prayed for all of our students last week. We're going to pray for you again here in just a moment as well, and, but we're glad you're here. We love students, people of all ages. It is a place in which you can come and you can belong to a family. Our student ministry is important to us, but we don't see it as a separate ministry, not involved in the church, but we see it as a ministry to where we can get to know you and you can be a part of all the things that are happening in the church and serving, fellowship, study, and all of these things. So we appreciate you being here and appreciate all of our... You know, some of you went to school this week. How was it? You made it? It was okay? Teachers? How? Oh, listen, you're still smiling under those masks, I imagine, but you made it through your first week and that's good. This week, we know school starts for the university. Also, it starts for our Parkway Preschool. Teachers were back last week in preparation for that. We'll have, I don't know, uh, I think it's around 160 kids maybe that will be coming tomorrow to our Parkway Preschool. It's, of course, it's a ministry of our church, and so we're going to pray for that. I'm going to pray out loud, but let me ask you, even if you're visiting for the first time, would you pray for students, pray for preschool, and uh, I'd like for you to lift prayers as well. You do it silently, and I'll do it aloud. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you even now, and we thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to come and be able to worship in freedom and in truth. And we thank you, Father, that even during these times, we can come hopefully in a safe environment, healthy, in a God-honoring way, and uh, be able to lift up your name today. Father, we thank you for our students. We pray and thank you, Father, for this past week as many of our schools started in Auburn and Father, we uh, pray for all of our elementary, high school, and uh, junior high, and we thank you, Father, for seeing them through the first week, and may uh, pray and hear that all things have gone very well, and we pray that that will continue to be the case. We pray for students starting Auburn University. We pray now today, Father, that you'll be with each one, and uh, that you'll be with professors, and Father, that you'll keep them safe and healthy, and also these, Father, who are in this room, we pray that they'll be ambassadors as they go to university, and ambassadors as they go into the high school and junior high and elementary. And uh, Father, we pray for our Parkway Preschool. We pray Christ will be the center of all that takes place. We're thankful for the uh, many kids, countless families, uh, Father, that have been involved, will be involved this year, that uh, able to hear the good news of God's love uh, through our preschool and kindergarten. And uh, Father, we pray and commission those teachers even now and uh, pray, Father, that they will uh, certainly uh, not only reflect you, but you'll keep them safe and healthy in these days. And uh, Father, now we thank you for this hour. Thank you for the praise that's been brought forth. And as we read your word today, we know that's not going to return void, but uh, we pray that we might be able to see uh, more of you than we've ever seen before. And uh, we are thankful for this opportunity. Now may the words of my mouth, meditation of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In the precious name of Jesus, we lift these prayers. Amen. And amen. Exodus chapter 19, going to begin reading in verse 6. You know, you've had a couple of minutes to sit down, I guess, 
And sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. But today, and you'll see as we read God's Word, would you stand in the honor of reading God's Word if you are able today? Exodus chapter 19, begin reading in verse 9. This now is the Word of God. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Verse 16 reads, On the morning of the third day there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word, and you may be seated. I want you to be prepared today to experience more of the Lord than you have ever experienced before. When I was a kid growing up, I used to watch this TV show called Get Smart. Now, they did a remake of it in the 21st century, so it's also a 21st century illustration. But Maxwell Smart was the goofy, bumbling agent that was always uh, doing the wrong thing. He was kind of the... Uh, I guess uh, the opposite of James Bond, but he's always making mistakes and doing the wrong thing, but always came out on top, mostly because of his sidekick, Agent 99. But he was the first in many things. He was the first to have a phone in his shoe. We knew sometimes he came up maybe with uh, sayings that we may know today, but he kept, would have a saying, he'd say, you've got it, chief. Uh, he would often say, I missed it by that much. And he often would say, would you believe when he would, uh, and hopefully to intimidate the crooks, he would sometimes say something like, uh, there are 50 police officers outside surrounding the place. And when they didn't believe him, he said, well, would you believe that there were 20 police officers and an angry dog? And when they still didn't believe, he said, well, would you believe that there's a Girl Scout troop selling cookies and a very large den mother? He was obviously exaggerating the truth. Well, when it comes to describing who our God is, there is no reason to exaggerate the truth. Would you believe today the one who is the creator of the universe, the one who is the redeemer of your souls, the sustainer of life, the one who sits on the throne of heaven, who holds the stars and the sky and everything in the sky and everything on earth in place, would you believe that he wants to have a relationship with you? We sang about it early today. Bobby even mentioned it today in his welcome, the fact that he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to be able to know him more than we have ever known him before, and he wants us to be able to take place and take part in his kingdom. 
Would you believe it's true today, this morning, God wants you to experience Him in a way you never have before? After all, it shouldn't be hard to believe because it's part of what it means to walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is to know more of God every day, every time we come together, every day as you spend time in His words and as you walk with Him until it says in Revelation 22 that one day we'll see His face and we'll see Him face to face. For the Israelites, we're reading in Exodus chapter 19. We've been looking now several weeks and we've got a few weeks to go as we look at the life of Moses and what's happening to him so that we might understand what it is to the escape zone, to be able to escape from the sin and selfishness of this world in order that we might be able to move forward with Jesus. For the Israelites, they have a unique experience like they never have had before in the chapter in which we have read. Yes, they've already experienced, of course, God in the Exodus that has taken place by the time we get to Exodus 19. They've walked in the wilderness now for three months. But today, this chapter in Exodus 19 is the most personal contact they will have had so far in their journey with God. God says in His Word, Draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. The Israelites have come to the mountain of God and God will make Himself known. Well, today... I want to be able to discover as we look at this passage a little more closely of how God is drawing close to you, how He wants you to draw you closer to Him. And we'll talk about how it is that we are to respond today. Some of you received notes maybe as you come in. They'll also be on the screen today. But one of those ways is that God's meeting all of your needs. The Lord meets all your needs. As the Israelites are camped in the wilderness near Mount Sinai, Moses is on the mountain communing with God. I need to tell you, Moses has been there before. He was there when he heard from God in the burning bush. And now even early in this chapter, he's already come up to the mountain about three times up to the beginning of the verses in which we've read. He's come to the place. So he's got what we uh, might call his usual spot to meet with God. Can I tell you that uh, most godly people and most people that are seeking after the Lord Jesus Christ, most godly servants have a usual spot. So let me just ask you this morning, do you have a usual spot in which you know that you can commune with God? You can talk with Him everywhere, you understand. And we know that He's always ready to talk with us, but most people have a usual spot like Moses did. Moses is interceding on behalf of the people of God. In the last part of verse 9, Moses tells God what the people had said earlier in this chapter. He had already told them that God's going to bring something to them. Most of you know what's going to happen in Exodus chapter 20. We have the giving of the law. It's the Ten Commandments. So this is preparation for that. God had already told them what, that something was coming. And the people responded by saying that all that the Lord says we will do. And God told that, or Moses told that to God. And God knows their needs. And He wants to meet their every need. And he's already met a lot of physical needs. He had provided uh, water for them on more than one occasion. He's provided food for them, manna every morning. He provided uh, protection and direction. You remember there, there was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day in which God was with them. We think of our basic needs. We think of maybe three basic needs, food, clothing, and shelter. And what God has kept this group of Israelites together so far is that God's meeting their physical needs. But now... He knows that there's a greater need. There's a spiritual need that they have in order that they might be able to meet with God. And God tells Moses three things that they need to do before meeting with God. And we're going to talk about those and their responses. One of the things he told them to do is to consecrate. Moses 
is to consecrate them. Other versions say sanctify, which means that they were to get ready to meet God. Now, notice the way we read it in verse 10. It was not go and sanctify yourselves, but or go get them to be sanctified. But Moses, you consecrate them, which means Moses was to help them stop giving attention just to the worldly things or just to their self and start giving their attention to the heavenly things of God. We also need to be consecrated before God, and we take that on as a responsibility, and we know that we must depend on Him. Consecration, as the word sanctification, means that we need to be set apart, it means that we need to follow. But think of it like this. Think of the three C's. When you, if you hear, hear the word consecrate, what does it mean for us? And what's our response? It is that we are to confess and that we are to commit ourselves to God. Now, once you become saved by the blood of Jesus, God's working in your life continually to sanctify your life, which means to be set apart or to become holy so that you might be able to experience a greater fellowship with God and become a more usable vessel. It took one night for the Israelites to be taken out of Egypt. It's the night of the Passover. Well, it was easier for God to get the people out of Egypt than it would be to get Egypt out of the people. You know that they were always complaining as they were in the wilderness. They were even wanting to go back to Egypt. And they would be, many already did, or they would be worshiping idols. And they needed, after three months, they needed to focus on God. Everyone has that need this morning, even now, to be consecrated. How many of you want to be able to experience God like you never have before right now in your heart? Well, it may be that even now, even this very hour, ask God, to forgive you of your sins. Confess your sins to Him. Commit your all. Commit everything to Him as well. And make sure that you're drawing attention away from self and away from this world and toward the heavenly things. Now, you may not be ready this very moment to say that's what I'm ready to do. It may be something that you need to think about, but maybe even before this hour is up, in these next few minutes, or maybe before the day is up, that this is the thing that you want to do, that you want to commit yourself to God. Why? so that you might be able to experience more of God than you ever have before. Moses also told not only consecrate, but wash their clothes. They were to wash their clothes. Now, when I was coming up, I was taught pretty much that every Saturday night I had to get a Saturday night bath, whether I needed it or not. I'd wear clean clothes to church and polish my shoes and brush my teeth, and I probably never questioned it. In the beginning, or when I was very young, maybe somewhere along the line, I probably wondered why that was done. I, yeah, I knew I was getting ready for Sunday school and church, but what was it about church? To get you in the bath and to get you cleaned up on Sunday most of the time. And we often say, God loves you just the way you are. Come to Him just the way you are. Even come to church as you are. We just want you to come, you understand. In fact, if somebody asks me what they need to wear to church, now I usually say, nobody's picked it up, I don't think, but I usually say, well, we wear, we wear at Parkway anything from flip-flops to boots to shorts to suits and uh, you can wear anything in between it would be okay we're just glad that you come as well well lord does accept you we know that just the way you are we want you to come to parkway just as you are anyway but the lord once we come to the lord sometimes he wants to change us and he needs to change us so that we might become more like him if you smell on Sunday. Well, you can still come smelling, but it may be the Lord wants you to smell better, and the rest of us probably appreciate it as well. Well, no, the Israelites were asked to wash their clothes, and we come clean to church, usually because what's on the outside is to be a reflection of what's happening on the inside. Now, we know that's always not the case. It wasn't always for the Israelites. 
But consider the Israelites who don't have a luxury of a closet full of clothes. They're asked to wash their clothes before they meet God. And they have two days in order to do that when Moses tells them to do that very thing. Now, they've been three months maybe, maybe even three months. Hard for me to imagine three months without washing clothes. I mean, probably all they had is what's on their back plus a cloak when they, uh, maybe even to get warm. Hard to imagine, so we won't. But they're given two days pre for preparation and it would, they would probably need it. After all, two million people to get ready. Some of you, you and your family had a hard time getting here on time today. Imagine one to two million people having to get ready in order to meet with God. And the word wash here is actually the word to trample or to beat. So that's probably what they actually did. In many cultures, they still beat their clothes on a rock in order to get it clean. I'm not sure how beating clothes on a rock ever gets it clean, but it's what they it's what they were actually doing. And I want you to understand why I'm sharing this with you because it caused them to take time to contemplate the words of Moses and what the things that were happening today. Well, in the fast-paced world in which we live, we sometimes lose that idea of contemplation that will draw us to God. But you can be sure that he's working to turn our thoughts toward him. Israel's response was to clean their clothes. Your response is a clean heart. Confession of sin, yes, we've talked about that, but the heart that is inclined toward God in heaven and not on self or this world. And then they were also told, we read it a moment ago, what was the third thing they were told to do or not to do in this case? Don't touch the mountain. What happens if they touch the mountain? They died. They need to be stoned or shot. Pretty severe. Now, there's a basic need that all people have, and sometimes even parents forget it's a need for structure and limits. It actually gives security and shows love. In fact, Proverbs tells us on more than one occasion, love your children enough to discipline them. You, if you're a parent, you, it's easier not to discipline. It's a lot of hard work in order to put godly limits on and stand by them and discipline. Well, here God was meeting the need the Israelites had. They needed limits that would teach them to respect and reverence God. And their discipline or their obedience was a way that they would show love to God. On, a, on another trip that I was on in a, uh, on a closed country, according to the International Mission Board, in other words, it was a country that, uh, where it's against the law to be a Christian. And I, w I was asked to teach new believers who were coming from several different villages. And some of these new believers were even leaders because they were all new believers and they were just small groups in these villages. But I was asked to come and teach them for a week basically on how to study the Bible. Now, there's some problems there, Some, you know, of course... Uh, in teaching them, and one was that there was a, I need an interpreter, of course. They spoke a different language, so use the interpreter. And while I've done that a handful of times, it's never an easy thing to do. But also, many of these people did not have, in fact, the Bible was not written at that time, that they had uh, all of the Bible in their own language. And on top of that, many, maybe even most, were illiterate. They couldn't read or write. Anyway, and I'm teaching them how to study the Bible, so you see that there are some things... There's some obstacles that are taking place. How do you do that? I asked the friend who asked me to come. I do the best you can, trust the Holy Spirit. So I'm 
teaching, and I began in Genesis. Genesis 1 through 3, we talked about creation, the Garden of Eden. There's Adam and Eve there. They could eat of any tree in the garden but one. And talked about Adam and Eve in the fall, and of course that they ate of the tree in the garden. Of course, interpreters sharing this, but I have no idea if they're understanding any of the words that are coming out of my mouth or the interpreter's mouth. And they're, they're kind of looking at me with blank stares. Yeah, I think y'all got it. Kind of like, yeah, kind of like today. And, and uh, so I said, well, I was through. I said, are there any questions? And a hand went up. And it's kind of funny. You, you, we raise hands. Well, all week, if they raised the hand, they raised it like this. I think just a humble way of asking. It's always like they really were raising their hand like this. And here's the first question. He said, why did God put the tree in that garden? I was relieved and anxious all at the same time because I thought, well, at least they got it. If they're listening, there's a tree in the garden. Why would God? And it's the question, though, that's been asked in generation to generation for thousands of years. Why did God put the tree in that garden? And so I gave an answer. And, you know, of course, there may be more than one reason, but we know at least one of the reasons is because Adam and Eve needed a way in which they could demonstrate and show their love and their respect for God. Their obedience shows God's love and respect. Don't touch the mountain. The mountain was, it was God's holy mountain, yes, but the restriction showed God loved them and they had a need to show respect and reverence for God and their obedience is how they were going to do that. Three things that God told Moses these were ways in which God was drawing them to himself by meeting their most pressing needs. The church wanted to, uh, they wanted to meet the needs of the community, and so they, they went out one particular church, and they took a survey, and they asked, what's your greatest need? What's your greatest need? And everybody that would answer, they kind of tallied all those up of what the greatest need. You'll never guess what the top need was of these families and lots of young families with children. The top need was potty training the children. And... Uh, so what did the church do? Well, they had a parenting class, and including that parenting class, of course, was helps in helping to potty train the children. But they had a theme verse, theme verse from Proverbs. Train up the child in the way in which he should go with a big G-O. You get it, okay. God wants to meet your needs, but he does so to draw us closer to him. Universal needs are love and acceptance and forgiveness, meaning and purpose in life. And churches address these as God's representatives and People also have other needs of uh, what to do with the guilt that they have and worry and discouragement and loneliness. We could list others. But Jesus said, Come to me, all ye who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus is the only one who can meet all your needs. But also, the Lord is at work to draw your attention. He's always at work. He wants you to draw you close to Him. He's always at work. He wants to get your attention. And even the things that are happening today in our world and in our nation, our community, and in your particular life, he, God may not be the author of everything that happens. We live in a fallen world. People are sinful. Diseases and those kinds of things are because we live in a fallen world. But you can be sure that God's always at work to get your attention because he, you he wants to draw you close to Him. Now, I want you to notice something, and this may even help with your notes, but let's look again at verse 16 and following. We read verse 16 a moment ago. On the mountain of the third day there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very large trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. The people trembled. Verse 17, Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. 
Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln. The whole mountain trembled. The mountain trembled. Trembled greatly in verse 19 as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Thunder and lightning often represents the power of God. Sometimes lightning represents the fire of God and power and thunder often represents God's voice. Smoke and clouds represent also the presence of God, the cloud that was there. But listen, God's not messing around here. There's smoke on the mountain. There's fire on the mountain. And it's coming up like a kiln or a furnace in the middle of the mountain. What does that sound? Sounds like a volcano. Whether it's a volcano or a volcano light. What happened? There was an earthquake. God's holding nothing back. And then there's a trumpet that blows. Who's blowing the trumpet? It's a heavenly trumpet that begins to blow. But we're not told who blows it. And at the thunder, lightning, and the trumpet blast, people trembled. Mountain covered in smoke. Lord came down, fired smoke, went up like a furnace. The mountain trembled. Thunder, lightning, heavenly trumpet blowing, fire coming down from heaven, volcano like and an earthquake. But the writer of Hebrews talks about this very passage, New Testament writer of Hebrews. And when he does, he says, that's not the most frightening thing. He says there's even something more frightening. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 21 says this, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it should be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. The people trembled. The mountain trembled, and then even Moses trembled because of what he heard, the voice of God that was the most frightening in everything that he saw. Why did God do all this? To scare the people to death? Well, if that was his, if that was his plan, it certainly happened. It wasn't just that, but it was to get their reverence and all, but also to get their attention focused on him. You may say a lot of good things about God or say a lot of different things about God, but I tell you this, God's not boring. It's amazing to me how we sometimes take the most exciting book that has ever been written in history and we bore people to tears with it. When I was called in early age actually to preach, I decided then that as much as I could, I would never make my studies or my preaching boring. Now, I've done my best and I hadn't always fulfilled that you understand, but you can know that I'm seeking always for that to happen. But I know that it's not about me. It's about the power of God's Word and His Word in us. And if you ever sell out to Jesus, you might be persecuted and prosecuted. You might be asked to do things that make you uncomfortable. You might have to pry open your pocketbook. You might get tired and worn out. But agree to serve God and there'll be more to do than you ever thought possible. You might be talked about, you might be talked to, Satan might attack you and people will disappoint you. But you have this guarantee, life will not be boring. God made himself to the people in the most dramatic way. Consider Jesus also and how the people were drawn to Jesus. He got people's attention. Jesus became popular primarily because of his teaching Matthew chapter 7 
says that they were amazed at his teaching. Crowds followed him so many that they were called multitudes. At one point he was almost trampled on or almost crushed because of the crowds. At another point he had to stand in a boat because there wasn't room for him on the shore for everyone to be able to hear him preach. In Mark 12 it said they enjoyed listening to him. He also got people's attention by the healing people and by feeding them. Common people loved him. Religious people hated him. But he drew people unto himself and then asked that they give their all to him. And when he did ask that people give their all to him, most people turned away. You can be sure of this. The Lord is at work to draw your attention because he wants you to experience more of him than ever before. Even the giving of the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. It's the next chapter. We're going to look at those Ten Commandments one at a time, but probably not this year. But if the Lord tarries and you allow me to be your pastor, we will be looking at those at some time and take 10 weeks to take a look at each one of those. But just for maybe a summary, of, we want to take a look at each commandment and maybe just quickly in the next couple of minutes, I'll just want to tell you how each commandment teaches us something about God. Commandment number one, have no other gods before me. We know that God is exclusive. Number two, do not make any graven images. We know that He is supreme. Number three, do not take the name of the Lord God in vain. We know that He is worthy of highest honor and value. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy because God is holy. Honor your father and mother teaches us about the Heavenly Father's love. Do not murder. Well, He's life and He's the life giver. Do not commit adultery. We know that He is the faithful one. Many times the Old Testament and New Testament, sexual immorality is often compared to being unfaithful to God. Do not steal because He's the provider. Do not lie. He is truth. And thou shalt not covet. He is sustainer and He can provide all things. Exodus 19 is preparation for Exodus chapter 20. Unless the Israelites have a holy fear of God, unless they respect and love God, they would no way in order to be able to learn about these attributes or be able to see these and experience God more or to be faithful. Unless you and I have a holy fear of God, today you'll not be able to experience more of God than ever before. Today's preparation week. It's preparation week for the rest of your week, for what's going to happen this week. It's preparation week for what's going to happen in your future every time we come together. Lord is preparing us more of Him so that we might be ready for what's going to take place. And we fear everything. We fear the pandemic. We fear disease. We fear death. We fear a virus. We fear politics. We fear people. We fear the future. We fear the economy. We fear job loss. We fear family problems. We fear rejection. We fear just about everything but God. And the scripture tells us over and over again, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Scared to death of God, afraid of what God might do to you, that's not holy fear. Holy fear and healthy respect for God draws you close to Him, makes you want to be in His presence. The best way to handle your fears is to have holy fear of God. Best way to handle your fears is to have holy fear of God. Now, how's God drawing to yourself, drawing you to Him? It is because the Lord determined no cost is too great. Verse 20, we read a moment ago, God called Moses up to the mountain. 
I hope by now you've read this chapter. You can't help to see what want to know what happens in verse 21. And verse 21 reads like this. If you got your Bible still open, we read through 20. He said, The Lord said to Moses, Go down to warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Verse 22, And let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priest and the people break through to you to come to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Do you understand what took place here? Moses is called to the top of the mountain. The first thing God tells him So I need you to go down and tell the people again not to touch the mountain. What did Moses say? Sounded like he debates the Lord just a little bit because he says, Now, Lord, you've already told us not to touch the mountain. We put barriers around it. So nobody's going to touch the mountain. What did the Lord say? Away. Go down the mountain because he doesn't want any one of them to perish. Reminds us of Peter in the New Testament said that the Lord is not willing for any to perish. No cost is too great because of the love of God that compels people to come to him in faith and walk with him. God says, before we do this thing, before I give you the law, you need to go down one more time and tell the people not to touch the mountain lest they break through because if the people break through, I'm going to break out all over them is what he says literally in the passage. You don't want God to break out all over you because you've broken through. He says, go down. Did you notice this? I didn't notice it the first time I read it, but did you notice he said, go down and tell the priests to consecrate themselves. Now we've worked through this passage. Already Moses has told all the people to consecrate themselves. Remember what that means? To confess and commit well, but now he's going down to tell the priest because, of course, the Lord knows the hearts. Weren't they already supposed to consecrate themselves? But what happened? They obviously did not. Well, maybe the priest thought they were good enough that they didn't need to consecrate themselves. But God knows. Don't, don't you hope that there are some people in this world that finally get straightened out? I mean, they need to do politicians... Those who are polarizing, well, they need to get right. They need Jesus. Those people. But let me tell you, if we want real revival to take place, it's going to have to begin with the church folk, people of faith, those who are followers of the Lord Jesus who have to need to confess and commit and consecrate themselves so that there might be a great awakening in this land. It needs to start right here, and no cost is too great. Moses went, Moses was sent down from the mountain to give fair warning. Jesus, the Son of God, was sent down from heaven also to give warning to make life and eternal life possible for all who come to him. Jesus proved that no cost is too great. You and I are sent everywhere to share the good news and to show God's love because we live in the world where people need Jesus. We're to remember no cost is too great. Maybe, just maybe, this Old Testament passage where God said to get ready on the third day they were able to meet God. Several times, the third day. Maybe it's to remind us as we read it today the fact that after Jesus Christ died on the cross and put into a grave or put into a tomb that on the third day there was an earthquake and the stone was rolled away. Christ had risen to give us life, hope, and peace.
And maybe, just maybe, the heavenly trumpet that got louder and louder. Who's blowing that trumpet? My guess is that it was Gideon that was blowing that trumpet. But maybe this Old Testament story should remind us of the trumpet that will be blown on the day when Christ comes again to bring all who are his children to him. It was a passion play type event. And Gabriel is on center stage and he's shining up his trumpet. He turns to the Lord and says, Heavenly Father, is it now time to blow my trumpet? Not yet, Gabriel. But Father, everyone on earth has transgressed against you. Sin and disobedience and decadence are the rule of the day. Surely it's time to call the faithful few home and to call and to bring judgment on this ungrateful lot. Patiently, the Lord repeated, No, it's not time yet. And the Lord motions as if to point to a scene on earth, and there off stage is a figure of a man that's carrying a cross up Calvary's mountain. And backstage, a choir is singing on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Indeed, no cost is too great, and God is drawing you to himself even today. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, if you know that you're a Christian, you're walking with Jesus, he's drawing you closer even today. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's drawing you to himself so that you might be able to know Christ as your Savior and Lord. Well, did it happen? Did you experience more of the Lord today than ever before? Well, it shouldn't be on so unusual because it should happen every time that we come together. It should happen every day as you spend time in God's Word and spend time walking with Him and praying and listening to Him. We should experience more of God today. Here's how you know if it's happened or not. Because it shouldn't just be an emotional thing that we have. It shouldn't just be a warm, fuzzy feeling or something that you just endure. Your experience with God will lead you to action. Your experience with God will lead you to action. If you're here today or if you're listening today online, and we know that we have many who are, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, Lord's drawing you to himself. Maybe you've experienced Outside looking in, more of Jesus than ever before today, we encourage you to give your heart and life to Jesus. Make Jesus Savior and Lord of your life. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you know you have Christ in your heart, you have a home in heaven. It's okay if you experience more of Him today, but it ought to lead to some action. I'm going to commit myself more. I have, no, I have sins I need to confess. I need to turn things over. I'm going to love God more. I'm going to love people more. I'm going to follow even more closely. I know and have confidence the Lord's going to be with me this week in whatever I'm going through and whatever, whatever I face. I know that the Lord can give me that peace that surpasses all understanding. If you need to make a decision today, we encourage you to make it public in some way. We don't have uh, altar calls anymore. We will one day again. But we encourage you to let us know. We have connection cards and membership cards as you leave. You can use one of those and turn those into us. You can go to our website, let us know on the website. Actually, you can fill out a connection card or a membership card, if particularly if the Lord's leading you to come and join this church. We've had several to join since the pandemic takes place, and they 
join by filling out the card or talk with the pastor. And then the next Sunday that you're here, we just celebrate the fact that you've joined. So if you want to do that, we encourage you, follow the Lord's direction. That may be the very action that the Lord is leading you to do today because you've experienced Him more today. But we love you and we're praying for you. Brother Dick is going to come. He's got some announcement and prayer for us. And I think the band's going to finish this up.